You're listening to Beyond Infinity, your weekly dose of science and technology, presented by me, Piers Cunningham. And me, John Young. So welcome to another remotely recorded edition of Beyond Infinity, normally a radio program broadcast from Radio Port Phillip in Mornington, but in recent months, unfortunately, we've been forced into our bunkers, and I am talking to Dr. Ian Storey, lecturer in information systems at RMIT. Uh, uh, Great to have you back on the program, Ian. Uh, Thanks, Piers. Always good to talk. Now, this time, and it's a kind of a continuation of a theme that we've been um, touching on in, in recent discussions, we're going to talk about battery technology, the transition uh, away from fossil fuel technologies into renewables. And this is something which we've touched on. We actually talked about that amazing Tesla Roadster, which can do naught to 100 with rocket power uh, in about a second, 1.1 second, which is, which is really unbelievable. That's an electric technology. And as you, as you mentioned last week, the benefit of an electric car is there's no, uh, there's no delay in getting to the torque band, which there is with a, a conventional petrol or, or turbo diesel or conventional motor in a conventional car. They, they uh, don't get off the mark that quickly because of the, of the way that the, the, the torque curve works with the engine and with the output of power. Electric is, is immediate. And not to mention that, you know, with electric, if you have a battery, you can capture solar off your roof during the day, charge your battery, drive your car home from work, and then use the, the uh, solar energy that's been stored in your battery to charge up your car. And that, and that makes your car a very clean uh, form of transport. If that same sort of technology was applied to public transport, then uh, you know buses and, and trains, uh, then then we start to we start to effectively make a transition away from from our reliance on fossil fuels. So uh, lots of different things to talk about because uh, but this is a pretty vital thing. Just on the um, the Tesla, mm. uh, they call that mode ludicrous mode. Yeah, I know. and it's quite interesting to watch people accelerating using ludicrous mode in um, YouTubes, yeah. their face flattens. Yes. Um, you know, Jeremy Clarkson um, gets his face to flatten when he puts his face in the wind and it catches in his cheek and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. But in, in in the Tesla, they're actually inside the cabin <laughs> yeah, and their skin is stretching across their face. It's yeah. quite, quite amazing, um, yeah, the that, acceleration that, that they can get from those little engines. Yeah, yeah they are incredible. And now, a lot of people, if you predicted how, how electric cars would, would develop, you'd sort of think, oh, they're going to be slow and they're going to be limited in range and they're going to be sort of relatively boring compared with a petrol car. But, but Teslas have shown that they can be far from boring. I've sat in a Tesla. It was a Tesla Model S and it was a few years ago. So it, wasn't the, it didn't have ludicrous mode. But even then, just, just sort of getting off the mark and then accelerating, say, from 20 to 60 kilometers, you would literally, you know, if you didn't have your head pressed into the back of the seat, into the headrest, you'd get a sore neck. The acceleration <laughs> was, it was like that. So, so far from being boring, they're exciting. And, and that's a great thing that, that Elon Musk has been able to achieve. There are still limits of range. That is a concern. Uh, but I think you can pay for a premium quality uh, battery now in, in the sort of top of the line latest Teslas. And I think you're getting up to about six or 700 kilometers now. So it's really you know, not far off what most cars will give you in range off a single tank. 
obviously how you charge it up. There are expenses involved with this. And if you're charging a Tesla car at a charging station that is deriving its power from the coal grid, then you've kind of undone the benefit of having a supposedly clean form of transport anyway. Yes, that's true. But if you're charging it from your solar panels on your roof, (laughs) or if the grid goes electric, Mm. then everything is electric. You're not using gas to run it. The ranges for most of the cars are around the 300 kilometre. Yep. Some are 449, um, the Tesla 460. Um, so the ranges are creeping up all the time. Mm. One of the things that I wish was more prevalent in Australia was petrol engines that charged the battery. And I only know of the BMW i3, I think it was, and the Chevy Volt that would do that if you needed to travel from melbourne to brisbane <laughs> you'll yeah. be charged eleven thousand dollars to go across the border oh will but, you right oh, is that all yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah do that four times and you can afford a tesla and i, so I like you, the way that this uh, you know just on tesla the way that elon musk's the, the sort of original philosophy or the plan behind that was that you know you start building so he made his money out of paypal and then sold that to ebay wanted actually to get into to rocketry and and particularly mars but it was all about how do you fund that so it was it was have a have a car have an electric car company which starts off with high-end cars so expensive not for the masses but for the for, for people who've got lots of money and can afford to buy them and and then take the profits from that and and put that into spacex and, and then thereby achieve the dream of, of going to mars and he's actually well, he hasn't gone to Mars yet, but he's, you'd have to say it's quite a successful pathway that he's following. And it, it just personally, it does continue to surprise me how successful Elon Musk is. You know, a lot, a lot of, some people would be tempted to dismiss it as, as salesmanship and, and, and marketing hype, but he's got one of the most powerful heavy lift rockets at the moment, the Falcon Heavy. He's now actually the first person to be transporting American astronauts into low Earth orbit and up to the International Space Station. That happened just a couple of months ago. Don't forget, since the demise of the shuttle in 2011, America's, Americans have been paying uh, to go on board a Soyuz, I think about 80 million US dollars per return seat up to the ISS. So Musk has done a lot to in, in a pretty short period of time, both he, with, um, with Tesla and, and with SpaceX. He definitely has sold the car on the basis of performance. Yep. And that has got a lot of the car makers, I think, really worried because they rely on decades, maybe even a century-long period of development yeah. on petrol engines. And these are radically different. And they're changing every year. So they're very hard to... Um, I imagine they're very hard to invest in unless you've got some kind of strategy like Musk seems to have. I notice in the ABC News website, there's a story headlined, Tesla is the world's top car maker on the back of huge boost and huge Chinese sales, surpassing Toyota. Isn't uh, but surpassing Toyota, wow, wow. Yeah, and Toyota, Toyota makes amazing cars. Mm. Now, that's in terms of them being the world's most valuable car maker. 
um, I don't know exactly what kind of uh, metrics they use for the term valuable, but the interesting thing is that the company has never made a profit. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, mar- it's market cap is what they're talking about. So that would suggest that the market cap of Tesla has exceeded that of Toyota for the first time. For a while, Tesla has had a, a, a much higher market cap than you know Ford or Holden or GM, which is pretty amazing because G- you know, those car companies, as you said, they've been around for for decades, and Tesla's 20 years old. To give them their due, I think they're selling lots of cars. They're very, very popular. They've played their strategy of going from very expensive, um, high-performance cars, like the Roadster was just incredible, um, down to, I think the latest one, is it the 3? The Model 3, yep. Model 3, yeah. So that's the lowest level. It's still 66000 which is a hell of a lot of money for just a piece of transport. Yep. They're coming down all the time. And electric cars in China are super, super cheap. They're getting cheaper all the time. Yep. Um, the cheapest that I could find was a Hyundai, you know, that we could get here in Australia. Hyundai Ionic. Mm-hmm. I think we can get it here in Australia. 48,000, 50,000. Yeah, yeah. So they're not, they're not cheap. They're not cheap yet. Yeah. No, I just looked up the market cap of Toyota. It's $174.6 billion, and Tesla's market cap is $224.2 billion. So in terms of car, number of units produced a year, Toyota is, I think, the, the, the uh, biggest car maker in the world, but significantly behind Tesla in market cap. So that, it is amazing, isn't it, really? And, and talk about muscling into a, an industry which had been dominated for a long, long time by certain key companies to be that far in front is, is absolutely amazing. And, and it must be, you know, must be worrying, worrying some of those, those companies. He just doesn't seem to be afraid of innovating and committing to a production line of a certain form. Yep. I don't know if his labour practices are all that great. Mm. And some of his philosophies, like going to Mars, is because he believes we, we won't survive on Earth. Yeah, he's talking about as a as a backup to uh, as a backup. backup. Yeah, but I yeah. mean, look in recent in, in light of recent events, I'm not sure he's maybe. Even, yeah, even that's not that that far fetched anymore. You know, that's that seems to be the theme. And he had a whole separate business which was 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 batteries and solar power. And the, and the you know, there's a thing called the Tesla Power Wall, which is a there are other companies which offer the same thing, but it's basically a a very sleek and well designed, modern looking panel kind panel. Of- Goes on the side it's ca- of kind house. of the the Apple phone of of household batteries. Yeah, yeah, that's of. right. But 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 so you can do that, and there's companies that have been doing it well before the the Powerwall came along, and using you know things like car batteries, you know, stacked on top of each other, to store the solar power that's generated. Because otherwise, with solar, you you're, you're tied to using it as you go, so to speak. In in, in Western Australia, um, I believe there's been such an uptake of solar panels on the roof and there's a lot of sunshine and I think there's probably been state government rebates that have made it attractive to to uh, get solar but there's now almost I think the grid is actually having a problem dealing with the amount of, of solar that's that's being generated on on residential housing roofs being put back onto the grid I hear this all the time there definitely needs to be a redesign of you know how the grid works yeah, that's true. And I think that that would imply that would uh, 
require a certain amount of investment. But I'm I'm quite sure that these problems are not insurmountable, you know. Right. I think the amount of money being made from power companies is driving people to to buy solar panels. Yeah. And Australians are voting with their feet. Yeah. And I think I read most new houses these days even have batteries built in. Right. Okay. I didn't know that, but that's interesting, isn't it? Uh, Absolutely. And, and, and certainly, you know, if you look around where you live and I look around where I live, there's, there's just more and more houses with solar panels on the roof, whether they've got batteries or not. Uh, and the size of the arrays, uh, you know... Absolutely. You know, people Some of the sort of, commercial buildings, mm. they have arrays of hundreds of panels. Yep. And I, I, was, I remember seeing in Japan not so long ago that you'd go along the side on the, on the bullet trains over there, which is this great transport system they've got. A lot of that land, because Japan's very short of land and it's a densely populated small archipelago of islands, they've used the land around the Shinkansen, the bullet trains, which is often these, these massive elevated pylons you know, with the track running along the top of them. There's a bit of land on either side of the, or underneath, the elevated train because it goes sort of above all the, the housing and, and, and buildings and stuff below and they're using that you often look out the window and you see it only blurred because the train's going pretty fast it's so fast you see <laughs> yeah. you see all these all mm. these row upon row upon row arrays of solar panels you know even a country which doesn't have a, a particularly warm climate well i mean it gets humid in summer but it, it's well north germany's the same germany's got heaps and heaps of solar panels very high um, percentage per capita so solar you're, you're right it's it's really been embraced Australia's net power consumption is going down because we're using uh, more efficient light bulbs, for example. We're using um, LED lighting. Uh, that's really very rapidly just replaced the old light bulbs that we used to use and halogen lights and all those other things that we, we've had in the past. They've all gone. There's been government programs to, to provide them for free to get people switched over. So, so your average house is actually using less. And then on top of that, you've got smart meters, which, which give you a breakdown and, and can isolate for you. Oh, if you're using a, a particular type of washing machine you've got is, is very inefficient. So it might be worth getting a different one. Save yourself in the long run, save yourself some money. Uh, our net consumption of electricity in Australia is going down. Well, apparently uh, Britain just this year had two months in which zero carbon was burned to supply electricity. Does that mean so, that, that they, they used purely nuclear for those two months? No, no. I think they used wind and solar as well. Right. So they were, they were significant. The thing about nuclear is that the numbers for the actual plants themselves, given how high-tech and how much money is put into them, they don't produce huge amounts of electricity and they have this enormous problem with what do you do with the radioactive waste yeah now personally i'm not against nuclear fusion if it can be made safe i think it's a, a fantastic possibility mm. in fact the the problem we could have eventually is that there's so much energy going into the environment um, that just the heating up could be dangerous. Yeah. Um, curr currently, it's not the heating up that's dangerous. It's the um, uh, the gases that get into the upper atmosphere and cause uh, the greenhouse effect. Right, yep. 
it's not the heat at all, but you know, so if you it. had limitless energy and you could build a skyscraper in two days, mm. yeah, yeah. And if you and if there was no, if that you took away any any incentive, so if the cost was driven down as well by it being sort of limitless, um, mm. then and the, and the cost is, you know, that's let's face it, that would be one of the key things that holds it back, notwithstanding environmental concerns right now. The other thing is that the thing that's driving it we've got this problem of burning fossil fuels and and as you just said they're polluting the atmosphere they're damaging our environment uh, and there's not too many people left who who really can argue sensibly that that isn't happening uh, you know you look at the amount of ice that's that's being lost at the poles the way that that the tundra in Siberia is releasing huge amounts of methane because it's melted and it's really it's it's um, it's exposed these these peat marshes that have got all this, this stored up um, methane under them that's now being released because the, the permafrost above is, is gone. That's all pretty hard to deny. Well, they had a hun- 100 degrees this last it, month isn't in it amazing? Siberia. Yep, Absolutely. Isn't it? Yeah. Up, in the, up in the Arctic Circle. Well Arctic beyond. Circle, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so that drive, that does, that is the background to us being concerned about electricity and about electric cars and about renewables and solar panels and all the rest of it is that be, because there's a, there's a growing re- acceptance that, that we've got to do something because we've got a, we are, we're setting in chain a series of, of um, potentially more and more dramatic changes in our climate. And Australia had very bad bushfires, the worst ever last summer. So all these things are reason for us to be pretty cautious. And there's also been talk recently about war. We've got a, a devastating um, and, and resurgent COVID problem in, in Victoria, where we're talking from in Australia. And Australia looked like it had done pretty well, but no, we, we, uh, we made some pretty basic mistakes in Victoria by the look of things. We're back to square one, maybe even worse than square one. The this is I'm, going to happen around the world, though. Yeah. And well, we've the, got to remember how... how badly America is doing off Mm. we've done quite well compared to them Mm. even China has done quite well compared to them you know despite some of the posturing by Trump I don't know about wars over power though Uh, all I I was going to say is that if we just linking back to the environmental issue was that if we oh, if we if yeah. we had a war then then and we're at, and, we, and if we are anywhere near a tipping point with our climate as some people argue as some climatologists would argue uh, and some even suggest we may have passed it if we are close to a critical juncture with you know needing to act in a very dramatic and concerted way right around the world to address climate change throwing a, a war on top of that we would potentially have a really a very devastated environment so we might be um, taking a ticket on uh, Elon Musk's heavy lift rocket to uh <laughs> which is under development to uh, to mars trump dismantled environmental controls mm. entirely it's a testament to the fact that these industries that keep on churning out profit are very 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 hard to stop and turn around they're not made up of elon musk's you know and even now to the point that a lot of people are saying that fracking has not made a profit. So fracking is is basically so people are fracking and there's more and more fracking happening, but they're doing it on the basis of money that they've taken from the banks, you know, so it's based on debt. So it looks to me, um, and I'm not a um <laughs> I'm not an economic genius, but 
from reports that I've heard, um, the fracking bubble is possibly just built on debt or at least is turning the corner where it's no longer viable. Mm. You know, whereas previously they'd, they'd dig a hole in the ground and oil would come gushing out, mm. they now need to to suck it out. Mm. And um, I think there's more energy going into sucking it out than they can get from the oil itself. Mm. It's still a viable concern mm. as long as the money keeps flowing in the right direction, mm. which sort of puts me in mind of how the stock market is going at the moment. It's continually going up, but there's less work being done. So there's a disconnect that's happening there. And it's it's reminiscent of pre-GST. So what is going to happen, God only knows. You know, I don't know. But the fact that the stock market is healthy does not, to me, look like a healthy situation. <laughs> <laughs> I have to agree with you. But bring it back to your comments about fracking. I mean, America post uh, post September 11 decided they didn't want to be as dependent on the Middle East for oils. America is now actually a net exporter of oil, I believe. Uh, and a lot of the way they've made such a, a rapid change has been through fracking. You can extract oil out of sh you know shale oil and gas, uh, which has previously been harder to get or they didn't need to because they could just get it in other more simple ways of, of drilling uh, as, the, as per the, the Middle East model and, and, and what they've done in, in parts of America in, the, in the, uh, the Gulf of Mexico. Fracking has made them self-sufficient for oil and I believe there's a lot of gas, natural gas, that's now being pulled out of the ground. It comes down to that sort of idea that, you know, if you're trying to get away from, from fossil fuels, uh, it's still not perfect, but, but fueling yourself and deriving your energy or big chunk of it from natural gas is still a lot better than from coal. Maybe it's a transition step to go from coal as a source of electrical power generation to natural gas and then from there to renewables and eventually a decarbonised energy system. Because things are happening so quickly with electricity mm. and, and wind power, etc., the developments are happening at a pace um, that's, you know, it's exponentially growing or it's at least linearly growing at a very high rate. Whereas the the developments in petrol engines have pretty much reached their optimal point. Yep. Um, and the, but they're still making huge amounts of money from them. And they're still making huge amounts of money from digging up fossil fuels. Yeah, which is scary. Which is scary. But, you know, maybe you could make a decent amount of money from electricity or from building electric cars or um, you know from uh, building wind farms and then the next year your wind farm or your car is obsolete so there's a you know transitioning over to these technologies which is developing so quickly mm. which are developing so quickly mm. I'm hopeful though that that changes will happen mm. I mean given that Britain had no fossil fuel for two months it's amazing yeah and I guess that was uh, it was only possible because their industries were shut down because of COVID that was that COVID was the reason why well that was that was part of it yeah that was mm. part of it mm. I mean they had 18 18 days in a row before COVID right um, was their previous record 
Okay. Which is a which is a great amount of time. You know, it's a huge uh, amount of time. Okay. So, so it was gradually. in the middle of summer, mm. but so gradually their renewable sources have got to the point where they're you know now significant contributors to the sort of the overall energy requirements of both industry and citizenry and people's housing and domestic uses. So this is the sort of thing you'd expect to happen. You know, the more and more uh, renewables you put in place. The, the more of a chance you've got to, to achieve those kind of milestones of, of where you've, you haven't actually relied on fossil fuels to power yourself, to power your, your country. Exactly, yeah. yeah. But they've, they've reached, a, they've reached a, I think, a turning point. It's great to hear. Ian, and, and, you know, look, without getting into the detail of it, but Australia has had this problem. We've exported. China is still building coal-powered power stations, I believe, quite a few of them. So we're happy to export our coal, and yet domestically we've we've really been quite a divided country on the subject of, of renewables and and uh, fossil fuels for a while now. And governments have come and gone. And we had a carbon tax at one point. We got rid of it. There's still division in the in the um, you know the federal government and and the states about how much we want to move away from from fossil fuels. There's lots of jobs. There's lots of industries that still rely on on that. We're paying a price. I think there is a problem with with not being clear about your policies because you do need clear policies for investment to go ahead uh, and for companies to feel that they've got you know solid ground to make adjustments. Yeah, again, if you can buy time, you can still be making profit during that time. Mm. So you know, every year that you delay the inevitable is extra profit for large oil companies. Yep. So there's a there's a huge incentive to keep that pressure up, even when they're facing the inevitable. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. Um, I, I look, I think there's there's big vested interests, and that's that that are, that are working against this, that are dragging their feet and and don't want to see things change too quickly because they they'll they'll lose money or they'll lose their their investment or the the, the money machine they've got, all the investments they've the infrastructure they've got in place ceases to to be as valuable as it has been. <laughs> Beyond Infinity, Infinity, Infinity.